We get it. You're busy. You don't have time to waste on the mainstream media. That's why Salem News Channel is here. We have hosts worth watching, actually discussing the topics that matter. Andrew Wilkow, Dinesh D'Souza, Brandon Tatum, and more. Open debate and free speech you won't find anywhere else. We're not like the other guys. We're Salem News Channel. Watch anytime on any screen for free 24-7 at snc.tv. And on Local Now, Channel 525. Yes, it is. And welcome back Wednesday, August 4th, 2021, 602 is the number for you to call if you want to join the conversation. A lot to do today. Some interesting guests as well. Um, Tamira Mensa stock. We were on this early on. And uh, let me uh, let me just refresh you. This is the woman wrestling uh, gold medalist for the um, United States. She is doing this press conference draped in a flag. You'll see the point in a moment. If you know if you heard it, it's worth hearing again. Of course, I'm surprised myself. It's by the grace of God, I'm able to even move my feet. Like I just leave it in His hands, and I pray that all the practice, that the hell that my coach has put me through, pays off. And every single time it does, and I get better and better. And it's so weird that there is no cap to the limit that I can do. And I'm I'm excited to see what. What I have next. Last question for you. That American flag around your shoulders looks pretty good. How does that feel to represent your country like this? It feels amazing. I love representing the U.S. I love living there. I love it. And I'm so happy I get to represent U.S.A. <laughs> love it. Well, well said. Congratulations. Enjoy that gold. And we'll see you out there on the podium, okay? Thank you. I'll try not to cry. But no problem. <laughs> Welcome back. Uh, thank you for that audio. So the New York Times wakes up to the greatness of Tamira Mensa's stock and does a pretty big profile of her uh, this morning. And uh, it's done by one James Wagner. I don't know who he is. It doesn't matter. But it's a good, I don't know, 50 or so, parag- well, 40 or so paragraph story, 30 to 40 paragraph story. All about um, all about her efforts. All about growing up. It even quotes her um, and mentions uh, that she is, of course, uh, a black woman. Something she's never mentioned, as far as I can tell. She mentions she's a woman, and she was talking in her press conferences about being a role model for other women. I didn't hear the word black, but you know what the New York Times left out in this story, where it mentions she's a black woman and. It quotes her on a few things, saying, oh, my gosh, look at us representing. Um, I can kill it. It quotes none of what we just aired. It quotes none of her praise for God, her thanks for the grace of God, or that it feels amazing to represent USA, USA, USA. None of that is in the New York Times. Now, if you want to find out about what Gwen Berry believes, that's everywhere. That's everywhere. She's the one who turned her back on the United States of America's flag, the hammer thrower. Everything you want to know about Gwen Berry's positions on African-Americans, black Americans in the United States is well documented, well published, well represented in the mainstream papers. But uh, where we praise the United States, where we wrap ourselves in the flag and talk about the joy of it, 
As Dennis likes to say, when you think about media bias, just keep in mind, most of it is in what they don't print. Most of it is in what they don't tell you. Most of it is in what they self-censor when they don't give you critical facts. Um, That's one issue I wanted to uh, talk about. Um, Here's another one, especially as schools are now ramping up and going back, uh, I guess, um, this is now happening in other other major cities as well as in Arizona, in Phoenix. The Phoenix Union uh, District is requiring masks. I see, in fact, in my neighborhood, the Madison schools at uh, K through 8 are now requiring masks. Uh, here's a standard text someone in Denver received. If your child is over the age of three years old starting Monday, August 9th, Please send them with a face covering. Masks will be removed only during meal, nap time, and outdoor play or health conditions. Nap time, meal, and outdoor play. Because, of course, the virus, as we've come to know, doesn't transmit when you're eating or sleeping. Now, what's incredibly insensitive about these rules is not only the harm we know masks do to children. But what we know about children and the coronavirus, especially those under 10. Study in the Journal of the American Medical Association says, and I'll just quote from their research study, It appears that young children, zero to nine, have shown not only in this study, but observationally over the last year of the pandemic, that this group has little to do with the spread of COVID. Little to do. There were no hospitalizations, no hospitalizations of 47,000 children aged zero to nine that they studied. This is interesting to me because when Marty McCary of Johns Hopkins published his research, it came to an almost similar conclusion, except it went up to age 18. I'll quote from Marty McCary of Johns Hopkins. My research team at Johns Hopkins worked with the nonprofit Fair Health to analyze approximately 48,000 children under 18 diagnosed with COVID in health insurance data from April to August of last year. Our report found a mortality rate of zero among children without a pre-existing medical condition such as leukemia. Now, one of the interesting things Marty McCary points out is it never reports, the CDC never reports on the 355, never has reported on the 355 children deaths from COVID, whether COVID was even a primary condition of theirs or what other conditions they were suffering or may have been subjected to. Guess what? Guess what? I didn't remember this. But it wasn't until March of this year that the CDC admitted that 78% of COVID hospitalizations and deaths were amongst the overweight and the obese. Now, I remember, gosh, Jennifer Fontes and others saying this 
back in March of a year ago. It took the CDC a year to catch up with what conventional wisdom and basic understandings of epidemiology, health, and this virus, and 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 um, and uh, and uh, resistance was. It took them a year. The CDC isn't a lagging indicator. It's continually trying to catch up. Meantime, meantime, why these schools, while these schools are mandating masks for children in preschool on up, just remember, just remember, there is little to no evidence that they are the spreaders. There is little to no evidence. Mask the teachers and the staff and the administrators if you want. I think it's a bad idea, but they can handle it better. I think it affects the children's learning. I think children growing up need to see facial expressions, approval, disapproval, sarcasm, senses of humor. It's particularly true with children who have special needs, but it's also particularly true in all every study that has come across my transom with the psychological and mental health challenges masking children engages in. I still have the study of over 25,000, 25,000 school-aged children showing physical, psychological, and behavioral health issues resulting from masking, increased headaches, difficulty concentrating, drowsiness or fatigue, malaise, and nearly a third of the children experiencing more sleep issues than they had previously, and a quarter of children developing new fears. You also have 30% of children experiencing shortness of breath, 26% experiencing dizziness, and hundreds of the participants experiencing accelerated respiration, tightness in chest, weakness, and short-term impairment of consciousness. Is this what you want to do to our children? Really? Really? We are burning down the village to save it. We are burning down the village to save it by not following the science, all the science. And the science that hasn't changed, by the way, from week to week or month to month, but the science that has been consistent consistent for over a year and a half. The NEA doesn't care. The AFT doesn't care. The CDC doesn't care. I sure hope the American people care. 602-508-0960. I'm Seth Liebson. We'll be right back. That special welcome back music, tie a yellow ribbon, courtesy of Tony Orlando, because one of our great callers has done his time, has been away from us for way too long, and is making his reappearance now. It is a delight to see you on the uh, call screen here, Yair in Phoenix. Welcome back, Yair. What have you been up to? Thank you so much, Seth. I appreciate the kind I words. missed I... you so much. Likewise, I have been working from home uh, because of this COVID nonsense, and I 
Uh, my commute has changed, and so thus my interactions with you have diminished to far too much. Another tragedy of COVID. <laughs> Another tragedy it. of COVID, yes. You got it. Well, welcome back. It's a, good to have you, sir. Thank you so much. I, I wanted to make a quick comment that was sort of, I had already thought of this, and it was galvanized by the recent uh, move, uh, the extension of the eviction moratorium. Yeah. The realization, the further realization that we have descended into what is nothing more absolute lawlessness in this country. I think that I just listened to you before the break, and you presented sound, robust science, uh, empirically provable data that demonstrates what we really already know, but it codified it in, in scientific terms. Okay. And I was left with the feeling that it demonstrates a handicap that I think we on the right, or even just good people of good faith, have, which is that we, we, we the, the handicap we have is that we're operating on the assumption that if you can present the science, the facts, the raw data, that any logical person who means well must, by definition, be moved and swayed by it. Right. And I think we forget. Right. The, 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 this is a, the, the president of the United States thinks that men can get pregnant. Right. Uh, you know, our, our governors of these blue states are jailing convicted male felons with female prisoners. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, we, we, this uh, eviction moratorium it has demonstrated that you don't have, you, Seth, me, you know, we don't have property rights anymore. Right. We live in a time where it's, uh, it, it perhaps sounds dramatic to uh, to compare it to slavery, but how is it not? I would challenge any listener to suggest that it is not forced labor. If a landlord is meant to, by the sweat of his brow, house someone who can or cannot pay the rent for reasons that are legitimate or non-legitimate reasons, irrespective of that, it's forced labor. And so uh, the point, I think this is a long-winded way of saying that maybe we really are at a handicap where we are appealing to people based on logic and common sense and are too blind to the fact that it isn't about logic. It, common sense is not. The best example that I could end with, perhaps, is we all know the frustration. You watch a movie on Lifetime or one of these B-movies, and the, the battered wife or the person, the victim, uh, you know, finally puts the, the antagonist down. She hits him in the head with a lamp, and he's there laying on the living room floor. Yeah. And everyone in the audience is saying, finish him. Yeah. We know how to say him. Finish <laughs> right, him. Take right, him out. Right. And what do they do? They never do it. Right. I think maybe we're that woman. Yeah. Uh, or the, and we don't or the guy trying to kill James the... Bond, who finally captured. That's it. Right, yes. Yeah. That's it. <laughs> right. And we're not right. fighting the real fight. They want us dead, mm-hmm. Seth. And we're just not playing hardball. Well, the James Bond thing actually may have more wit to it than I intended now that I think about your point. I'm remembering Goldfinger when he's strapped down to the laser machine that Goldfinger, Ari Goldfinger, has him in. And he says, do you want me to talk? And Goldfinger says, no, I want you to die. We miss that <laughs> lesson all the time. That's the point you just made. You'll probably watch it again tonight. It's a great movie, by the way. You got it. That you actor who played uh, Arik Goldfinger was actually quite a hero, uh, helping um, uh, Gert Froby, I think his name was, he uh, helped uh, he helped uh, move uh, uh, Jewish refugees escaping out of Germany into uh, safer parts of Europe during World War II. Kind of an wow, interesting story. Yeah, a lot of these guys were real, real interesting heroes. But yeah, your your point is really well taken, and we forget it all the time. We think cold or calculating or pure. Or elegant reasoning will move 
a certain amount of our citizenry and we think simple statements of the fact. But we live in an age, don't we, where um, we are felt when we state these facts that we are um, up against it, uh, that we are the subversives. Uh, by pointing out the truths, uh, talking about the emperor's lack of clothing, we're the problem, not the emperor with no clothes, not the tyrant, not the uh, tyranny of following science that doesn't exist, though we're told it does. We're the ones who are meant to be felt like we have to be pushed back on our heels. That's the odd thing. Our reason and common sense, never mind bona fides and scientific uh, credentials um, amongst some, much better than I, it just moves a segment of the population, a large segment of the population, an increasingly large segment of the population, not at all. It's called invincible ignorance. Yep. Do you expect you me to it. talk? No, Mr. Bond, I expect you to die. The other, the other interesting thing you made me think of, Yair, you know, when we talk about constitutional infringements, we're quite familiar with the first, second, you mentioned property rights, fifth, we know a little bit about criminal uh, law infringements having to do with the Fourth and Fifth and Sixth Amendments. And, of course, we uh, kind of wish the Tenth Amendment meant something. We never talk about that thing called the Third Amendment, though. It seems to be just First, Second, Fourth, Fifth, right? The Third right. Amendment says no soldier shall – Right? No soldier shall in time of peace be quartered in any house without the consent of the owner nor in time of war. Now, how much more so – a non-soldier who's not trying to defend the United States of America in a time of war. How much more so? And and the and the the, the moves like that rest and rely on not only the the acquiescence of the populace, but of the uh, supposition. Well, this is well intentioned. Yeah. I think they just do, they they lick their finger and put it up in the wind and figure. Well, there's probably more renters than there are landlords, yep. and therefore we've got the majority on our side. And yep. that's. By definition, the underdog. We're always on the side of the victim and not the victor. And without any concept of the fact that that person who maybe whose main source of income is perhaps uh, the rent paid by somebody, by a lessee or by a tenant, is how he pays his bills. Yep. But but it doesn't matter. We, we, we've already accepted for 18 months that the federal government or the CDC can tell a barber or a bar owner that he's not essential. That's right. Irrespective of the fact that he has children's mouths to feed, right. mortgage to pay, right. uh, he's non-essential. Uh, and we, he just has to sit at home and watch nurses uh, uh, doing TikTok dance videos because they're essential. They've been canonized. They've been deified. And he just has to accept that he's persona non grata. And so I, I guess maybe this is just an appeal to your listeners to say, everybody knows the old adage of all is fair, love, and war. It is war, mm -hmm. and they want us dead. And maybe only then, once we sort of accept the, the conditions, the dire conditions that we are in, uh, will we actually maybe play some hardball. I'm with you on everything you said, Yair, and... Uh Gosh, it's good to see your name. It's good to hear your voice. It's good to have your brain again. Please, now that the seal is broken, make it more regular, sir. Will do. Thank, Thank you so much, you. Seth. God bless you. I'm Seth Liebson. We'll be right back.
Welcome back to the Seth Liebson Show. 34 after the hour brings us our good friend John Dombrowski, president and founder of Grand Canyon Planning Associates. His website is grandcanyonplanning.com. It's a fun website. And his radio show is The Word on Wealth. It's heard here every Saturday morning at 7 a.m. And he is heard here at 34 past the hour. John Dombrowski, how are you, sir? How's it going, Seth? Uh, just fine, sort of. Uh-oh. Sort of. I was thinking that you and I like history. This day in history was in 1977, the, creatment of the, the creation of the Department of Energy, something Jimmy Carter had pushed for. And it was to deal with the um, energy crisis, as you know, that was brought on by the oil embargo. The embargo right. disappeared. The Department of Energy Stayed ninety thousand employees and contractors forever. Yeah, forever. (laughs) As they all do. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Anyway, um, this is part and parcel of the problem you and I often talk about when it comes to issues of debt and controlling it. We need to have conversations about whether we need these agencies anymore. I think we really government. government. Absolutely. Talk to me about something important right up your alley, right up investors' alleys and uh, retirees' alleys, new rules for beneficiaries. Right. Well, we we all remember the SECURE Act, and that was uh, implemented last year, um, or actually implemented earlier this year. But it talks about uh, a variety of different things when it comes to retirement accounts. Uh, And number one was that it allowed people initially, because of the pandemic, to withdraw money from their retirement account without a penalty and be able to put that money back in, basically borrowing money out of an IRA, which you never could do in the past. So that was a a positive for those out there who needed money. But what it also did is it changed the rules for beneficiaries as well. And that's something I think a lot of people are a little bit confused about, Seth. And it also increased the age that people have before they have to pull money out of their retirement accounts from 70 and a half to age 72. Uh, But when it comes to beneficiaries, one of the interesting things uh, that were actually passed was in the past you could stretch your IRA out to a beneficiary and they could take it out over their own lifetime. So as an example, uh, Seth, you passed away, you leave your, 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 uh, your IRA to your son, and your son's age is 30 years old, he could take that over the, his lifetime. But now they've limited that to only a 10-year period of time that you have to pull all the money out of the retirement account. Why did they do that? Because that's going to make sure that the government gets the taxes that are going to be due on that distribution rather than allowing it to be stretched out over a lot of years. That's interesting. So there are things to think about if someone in your family passes away, a parent, let's say, and right. they and they uh, will to you their retirement account. I right. guess it would depend on the different vi- uh, different kinds of retirement accounts. Yes, but, but there are there right. is a, a specific um, so there's a designated beneficiary, yep. mm-hmm. right? But mm-hmm. then there's what's called an eligible designated beneficiary. Now, uh-huh. if you're an eligible designated beneficiary, you can continue this stretch provision. Right. A surviving spouse, as an example, right. a disabled child, as an example. Okay. Um, so there are reasons that would still allow certain people to take advantage of this. But generally speaking, uh, if your son is listed or daughter is listed as a beneficiary, they get the option to take all the money and run, which is probably what they will do. Or if they're working with a good financial advisor, my recommendation would be to them, hey, let's see how we can be more tax efficient with this. Take it over a longer period of time. 
allowing you to take advantage still of some tax-free or tax-deferred growth, I'm sorry, um, during that 10-year period of time rather than just taking the lump sum out and paying all the tax on it in one year. Now, so when you take all of it out as a beneficiary, some people will say, well, I thought, you know, uh, if I were under the uh, estate tax limit that that was not supposed to be taxable, but that's not exactly the way it works, or it is? Well, there are different types of taxes, right? There's something called ordinary income tax, there's something called uh, a federal estate tax, Uh which is a debt tax, there's also capital gains tax. So IRAs are ordinary income, so they're treated as ordinary income tax. Now, it is possible, Seth, if someone is very wealthy, that it also could have the estate tax on top of Uh the income tax. So it's very possible someone who's in the highest tax bracket with the federal estate tax could pay 60-70% of the inheritance in taxes. Wouldn't that be terrible? It's possible. That's why good planning, working with a good advisor, is critical. And you are a great advisor. Thank you, John. Thank you. Thank you. Securities and advisory services are with the Client One Securities LLC. Member of Friend Rensipic and an investment advisor, Grand Canyon Planning Associates LLC and Client One Securities LLC are not affiliated. Thank right. you, sir. Thank you, John. We will be right back. Bill, my producer, ever since his birthday, he's been he's been a little more cantankerous. That's all right. Editing my audio. Well, cantankerous is good, then I'm back. Yeah. Yeah. It's not, is it? No. What was the word he used? Truculent. If he was, yeah. Howard Cosell asked Muhammad Ali if he was truculent, and he said, I don't know what that means, but if it's good, I'm that. Well, I'm cantankerously truculent. Okay. All right. As long as you're not irredentist. No way. All right. Don't mess with my teeth. Okay. <laughs> Welcome back to the Seth Leapson Show, 602-508-0960. This is an argument certainly from the left. But in the campaign for moral safety, no allies shall be refused. Former president of Harvard, a very famous one named Charles Eliot, once said that. You want to listen to the mayor of Boston? New York is contemplating, not contemplating, the mayor says he will ask for vaccine proof. He will order that vaccine proof is required before one goes into public accommodations like restaurants or gyms. There's a lot of implication to this. L.A. and California are looking at the same thing. Hopefully, hold it. Hopefully, hold it. Hopefully, hopefully all of that changes once Larry Elder becomes governor. But in the meantime, they're looking at the same thing. There's a lot of implication to this, including racial. But the mayor of Boston, God bless her, Mayor Janney, right? She, uh, Democrat, good Democrat, uh, African-American woman, uh, Mayor Janey, uh, Kim Janey of Boston, was asked about this. And uh, here's what she said. Requiring proof of vaccination for restaurants, indoors, and also gyms. You know, here in Boston, we continue to focus on vaccine access, opportunity, uh, information. Uh, to residents all throughout Boston, certainly our, our workforce, we want to make sure that we are giving every opportunity for folks to get vaccinated. Uh, when it comes to what uh, businesses may choose to do, uh, we know that those types of things are difficult to enforce when it comes to vaccine. There's a long history in this country of people needing to show their papers, whether we're talking about uh, this from the standpoint of, uh, you know, as a way uh, to, after during slavery, post-slavery, 
uh, as recent as you know what the immigrant population has to go through here. Uh, we heard Trump with the birth certificate nonsense. Here, we want to make sure that we are not doing anything that would further create a barrier for residents of Boston or disproportionately impact BIPOC communities. Instead, we want to lean in heavy with uh, partnering with community organizations. There you go. Sure that Hold that. Ever- but don't start it over. There's more in that report I want to do, Bill. But she knows it will negatively affect BIPOC communities. Did you get that? POC, I'm not, I guess POC, the, the POC part is persons of color, minority communities. Is by BIPOC a new phrase? I don't know it, but I can assume it has to do with what? Minorities based on race and gender sexuality? Is that what they're using it for? I think it's black indigenous only because. Oh, I saw yes, it yes, 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 yes. Black indigenous POC. Well done. Thank you, Bill. I can always count on you to be on top of the latest woke vernacular of our age, of our time, parlance of our time. Okay. Let me let me let me just pause on why she said that, because not a lot of people are talking about what these mandates will truly be when it comes to affecting the minority populations in this country. We've been talking for a year now and in legal circles, we've been talking for 40 years now about disparate impact and policies that may be racially neutral on their face, but have a negative impact in their ultimate uh, in their ultimate numbers. Ibram Kendi, for example, the professor at Boston University, author of so many books the woke have seized on and perhaps the poster boy for it all, writes specifically that any policy, any policy, any policy that leads to less black advancement and population in an institution is inherently a racist policy. So when you look at asking for vaccination passports or vaccine passports for your communities, we just went through six months of being lectured to that you can't ask for IDs to vote of minority populations because that's too much of an imposition. Too much of an imposition to ask someone to produce an ID every two to four years. That's too much of an imposition to vote. But to go to a restaurant, we're going to ask for vaccine passports, the progressives tell us. The most progressive of the progressives. Is there a more progressive mayor than Bill de Blasio, a member of the Communist Party? Is there more uh, progressive mayor than Bill de Blasio? I don't think so. I don't think so. And so we have to deal with a really terribly interesting fact. And if you want to know why the administration has stopped beating up people who have vaccine hesitancy. If you want to know why they have stopped beating up on Trump supporters and white evangelicals, it's because the polling and the data is now in. Of the vaccinated population in the United States, at least one dose, 10% are black, 58, excuse me, 60% are 59%, 60% are white. The problem with vaccination hesitancy is in the minority communities and populations. 
going to the gym and going to the restaurant is a public accommodation effort that was seen in 1964 as part and parcel of the Civil Rights Act. You could not discriminate based on someone's race or gender or identity in public accommodations like, well, gyms and restaurants. Restaurants and hotels and gyms. That's what all the litigation about the 1964 Civil Rights Act has, was about in the first 10 to 15 years. And now here we are asking for papers. Now, the mayor of Boston was a little too cute by three quarters when she said in this country, we have a long history of where are your papers. That's not exactly true. I'll take the point, though. It's not it's a it's it's a fact of other countries. It was it's a problem of particularly the Soviet Union and Germany. It's a problem particularly of Marxism and Nazism. And the idea that Donald Trump was asking for a birth certificate is totally meaningless. She just had to bolster her liberal bona fides. But she has two candidates running against her. God bless her Democrats who condemned her for this statement, saying they will support mandates in Boston because this has nothing to do with the history of slavery. Well, I used to live in Boston. I'd change my Demo I'd change my registration right now to vote for Kim Janney's reelection. No allies are to be refused when it comes to our moral strength and health. We'll take it. And I'll tell you more about Bill de Blasio's plans when we come back. Easiest song in the world to sing, fewest amount of lyrics. Is there a song with less lyrics than Delta Dawn? That, that's a great trivia question. Is there a song with fewer, Hugh Holman would tell me, is there a song with fewer lyrics than Delta Dawn? And Hugh would be right to tell me that. On this Bill de Blasio thing, the Wall Street Journal brought the receipts. They write, the mayor's response to the uptick in coronavirus cases is to exclude the unvaccinated from many of the functions of daily life. He doesn't seem to care that this burden will fall heaviest on the city's black population, which is only 31% fully vaccinated. 31% of the black population in New York City is vaccinated versus 70% for Asian Americans, 42% for Hispanics, 46% of whites. Think about that. Who's going to be excluded from gyms and restaurants? But a government mandate should be a last resort, not a first. Private companies are already setting their own standards for workers and customers, giving people a choice and an incentive to get vaccinated. There's less justification for government coercion now than months ago with the pandemic having subsided and the city's hospitals no longer facing the threat of being overwhelmed by COVID cases. Mayor de Blasio calls his approach the key to New York City pass. It might as well be called New York City lock because it threatens the livelihoods of many people who prefer not to get vaxxed. And it will mean a lot of businesses, excuse me, it'll mean a lot of business for others who will have to turn away customers. With only a few months left in his administration, the real pass New Yorkers need is one that gets the mayor out of town for good. That's the political argument Meantime, the governor of New York seems to be going nowhere by 
by by by by dint of his own decision. He has zero support in the legislature. He has zero support in the White House. He has zero support in the House of Representatives. He has zero support in the U.S. Senate. But he is stubborn. And if you want to know what authoritarian personality looks like, if you want to know what narcissistic personality disorder looks like, look no further. Look no further than Albany. Look no further than the Democratic Party. Remember all that talk about Trump would never leave office? <laughs> huh. Yeah. Marvin K. Mooney, the time is now. Marvin K. Mooney, you must go now. If we could still read Dr. Seuss, someone could tell that story to the governor of New York. Instead, well, I think he's going to limp along, but I think he's gone by the end of the week. I just think he is. We have a lot more to go through. We'll do it with some really great guests coming right up. You don't want to miss it. We'll be right back.